In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed. Once upon a time, there were, when things were very bad on this earth, there were two beggars roamed the countryside seeking food. Both were, in fact, very quite successful in their trade, if you call it such. But a significant difference that, celebrated, that separated them. One found many open hands stored up his food in a sack and carried it on his back. Times were bad, he reasoned, and they would get much worse. Better to keep that when uh, he, what he had and live very fugally as possible and save against a worse day yet to come. And as he gathered this food, the bread hardened and the vegetables rotted in that to make an awful stench, but the man would not stop gathering. And the more he gathered, of course, the heavier that his sack became and the harder it became for him to travel. But then the man was obsessed until one day a proverbial straw that broke the camel's back went into that sack. That sheer weight of that sack with all he hoarded, but now was virtually useless. The contents broke the man's back in a deserted place. And there he died with a broken body munching on that stale bread. The other man also had remarkable success. And for him, though the sack never grew heavy, nor did it, uh, the, uh, the bread grew stale or the vegetables rotted, in his wanderings, he regularly came across beggars that were less successful than he who were badly in need. And to each of them, he opened his sack, and the bread consumed before it grew hard. The vegetables were made into a soup before they grew old. Far and wide this man traveled, but he always traveled lightly. For those people of need seemed to sense his very nearness, and he was never stingy with his sharing. Thus, for many years, he wandered that countryside as far as he was a mere beggar. But he was also a, prof, a provider with, uh, to get the, uh, them who needed the food. And his sack was lightly on his shoulder. It never felt a burden that ultimately became that first beggar's doom. Now, the story that I told you this morning is a backdoor way to gain, gain entry into the parable that you heard this morning, which forms the heart of the gospel. The men in these vineyards were neither owners, nor were there even builders of the vineyard in which they toiled. They lived by grace of a good manager or master who had himself toiled long and hard to plant this vineyard, to set a hedge around it, and to dig a wine press in it, and to build a tower for protection, and provided all that there was necessary to sustain the workers. There were merely those who were available when the master went into another country and needed people to care for his vineyard. The vine keepers, of course, are clearly the people of Israel, 
to whom God had entrusted the care of this part of the earth that had come from his hand. And they were, in fact, particular and, a particular and chosen people, as the Scriptures has made it plain. They were the models, or to be models to the earth, to which is meant to be the people of God. And through them, the light of God's grace was to be seen by all those who commerced with them. The land was a gift, the place in a world and made especially by God for them. They were beggars who had been richly blessed. Nor is our position any different. We must be careful, of course, not to scold Israel through this parable without seeing ourselves as that new Israel created in Christ for that very purpose. To us also is given a special place in in life, renewal through the forgiveness of our sins. A place from which the light of God's grace is to be seen by all people around us. We too are beggars who cannot live off the land but must depend on God's merciful hand filling our sack of our need with his rich gifts. How strange a twist then to hear this story of the men in the vineyard, which remember is our story also. When we actually take the servants sent by the owners to get his share of the harvest and beat them, kill them and stone still another as if it were not strange enough the first time, they do it the second time, and finally kill even the son of the vineyard's owner when he is sent for that last desperate effort to collect which was rightfully due the master. Could such thing ever happen, one must ask? If the commentators are correct, it evidently did happen on occasion in the, Israel, in the Israel of Jesus' day. For there were many absentee landowners distant enough away that the workers of the soil actually felt that they could get by with such of a malice without serious fear of retribution. There were, in fact, a few loopholes in the laws that made it work, On a few occasions, if those people say the times are correct. So Jesus is very likely drawing off that real life situation to tell his story. And the beginning of the story, as you have noticed, is taken almost word from word. And in its entirety, in the Old Testament lesson that we heard today from Isaiah 5. This puts Israel squarely into the vineyard as the people who receive the messengers and the servants of God. And they acted cruelly to them. They sent, those sent without question are the prophets, the messengers God gave to Israel through the ages, none of whom are greeted well, and many whom were indeed martyred for their efforts. And finally, the son comes. And the way the story develops clearly points to the account of the crucifixion. 
He is taken prisoner. He is thrown outside the walls of the vineyard, and they're killed. And the gospel account focused our attention on that vineyard workers who refused to give the owner his due. It is now the arrogance of the people who refuse to accept God's own son. But they treat him cruelly and put him to death. And not only have the ancient people of God abused their position as children of God, but these contemporaries of Jesus followed in their their father's and mother's footsteps. They They are as arrogant as that generation before. All of God's grace showered on them so richly in their designation as God's people is gladly received. But that gift does not result in sharing of God's grace. It results in pride. It is though one could receive from God, hoard his gifts, and keep them for oneself. They do not recognize God's grace in Christ as a treasure to be received used in behalf of their nation and the world, and thus become the very staff of life in all that they do. Could such thing ever happen? We question, and it is hard to blow to, uh, to, blow to realize that the answer is not only yes, it did happen, but also yes, it happens among us today. It is much easier to see the stories related to the people in Jesus' time or directed to the scoundrels in the knaves of the world. This parable must strike our lives, though, if we are to be honest with God and with ourselves. For it is our own lives that we claim for ourselves. We guard that vineyard as our own existence, carefully lest we rent it, lest the rent on it be collected. We develop many ways that lay down, lay claim to our own little corner of life. We also do not concentrate on, on that gift, which is this, the blessings that God has given to us as a gift, but rather how much we can carve out for ourselves and claim it for our possession. We thereby reject not only the word of the owner, who claims his own, but we also keep our brothers and sisters at arm's length, lest they claim our vineyard. It's all justified, of course, in our minds. After all, no one knows for sure whether the messengers are legitimate or not. They may be wolves in sheep's clothing, coming in the name of the Messiah to obtain for themselves what is due the master. Better to guard the rent carefully, we tell ourselves, so that we will have it for the master should he personally come and claim it. Of course, it's all a subterfuge, a way of keeping it for ourselves. For even the son is thrown out and he's killed when he comes. We just do not want to give up that corner of existence we call our life to the master. We claim to act out of love for the master in ways that keep what is his ourselves and will not let that go. Each of us is named 
in this parable. Thus, we turn, it into, we turn into shambles, the blessings of God's grace so richly given. The blessings become hard crust of hoarded bread and rotting vegetables. We carry them about though they were meant for nothing other than our own existence. We shut it all out, who in the name of the Father came to collect the rent of our faithful response to his grace. And the rent becomes heavier and heavier in the sacks on our backs. It is this that shows Jesus into such a bold relief in that latter part of our gospel lesson for this morning. He comes as the son is rejected, but he will not reject. Even in this, his dying, he cries, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He who owns all things, even the vineyard in our lives, gave up what he owned and became one of us, possessing nothing, not even his life. He it is to whom we must look if we would know how a true son of the Father lives and how a true son of the Father dies, having given up all things for us, even his life, he laid he is laid in another person's grave. In life and in death, he has no place to lay his head. The king of all has become a beggar supreme who goes about the wasteland of the earth receiving richly from the Father and giving it to his brothers and sisters for their sustenance. He dies with, an empty, with a bag empty, not from a broken back, but from being bur uh, with burning with hard bread and rotting vegetables, but wounds that afflicted by those who could not and would not understand him. He who revealed the Father's heart pierced those bags of those who were storing, uh, storing up the things for themselves, and then their possessions went tumbling each every way, and they killed him. Our gospel lesson says today, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. These words speak of the vindication of the Son affirmed his way of life, and thereby crushed all alternative views and understandings. Those who would have life must find it in Christ, that rich gift that only comes from the Father's hands. To look elsewhere is only a, a to find disappointment. It is the cross of Christ affirmed in his resurrection that is the pathway to life. It cannot be found hoarding wealth of this world or even trying to store up God's grace. It is to be found only with Jesus to the cross so that his cross becomes our life, and our life becomes the way of the cross, the way of poverty in which we claim nothing and give freely of that which is given to us. There were two men on the road with bags on their backs, both living as beggars. One looks for, longs for, and gladly accepts all of God's gifts. He carefully hoards them in the bag already bursting. 
And one day the bag of grace, of God's grace becomes so great that it actually crushes his back. He falls broken into the ground, all things, the weight of grace, selfishly hoarded. Therefore, our Lord says, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce its fruits. Your bag is filled to the point of breaking. Jesus is saying, you are called to use it in behalf of the world, and it will be lost to you. Only, one can only hoard so much of God's grace without response before it becomes a deadly burden. For God's grace is to be passed on, is to be given away, is to be channeled to others. It is never for our own possession. The other man, that beggar though he was, kept that bag light. All that was given him became a gift for others. His life knew all the hardships of a beggar, but he also knew the riches of God who always gives more than anyone can give away. Even in his dying moment, he was a beggar. But what a gift still lay before him. At that very point when all was taken away from him, he died empty-handed, but infinitely wealthier than the man whose full sack of riches broke his back. For our gospel lesson says today, for the stone rejected by the builders have become the capstone of his life. Two beggars are on the way with bags on their back. One of them is you. Which one? Amen.